This past February, in one of our winter windstorms, our gas grill blew over outside, and the rusty burner fell apart. So I went to Menards, just right over here, to replace the element, but discovered that it cost $60. And they had new grills on sale for $80. So I bought a new grill. Several Saturdays ago, I decided to assemble it. I carefully emptied the box, laid out all the parts on my garage floor, and thought I was following the instructions only to get to step five before realizing I'd made a mistake on step one and had to dismantle everything and start over. It took me three hours to put the grill together. I'm glad to report it's cooking quite fine now. Thank you. But seriously, I mean, either Sunbeam needs to, like, hire somebody who can actually write directions, or I need to go back to school and get a degree in grill engineering. (laughs) But, you know, learning to obey the great commandment in the Bible can be kind of like putting a grill together. Even with the help of the Holy Spirit, loving people can be complicated and hard, and we can mess up and make mistakes and feel like we've got to start all over. But when we lean into it, becoming a good neighbor can actually be fun and rewarding, not unlike savoring the vegetable medley or the ribeye steak that comes off the grill. Now, this morning, we're concluding our sermon series that we've titled Becoming Good Neighbors, Over the last three weeks, we've been asking the Holy Spirit for his direction and his help to do what Jesus said to do in the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's found in your Bibles in Luke chapter 10. You may want to open there or your Bible app to to Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter. Jesus told this story to illustrate his appeal to obey the great commandment, that is, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in the story, a Jewish man was beaten by thieves and left for dead at the side of the road. Both a priest and a temple assistant came along, but crossed to the other side of the road and passed by. Then a despised Samaritan came, saw the injured Jewish man, had compassion on him, And then, willing to be inconvenienced and adjust his busy schedule, he chose deliberately to cross social and religious and racial and cultural barriers. He began to treat the man's wounds. He transported him to a local inn, administered loving care that night, then paid the bill with a promise of future reimbursement. And Jesus concluded the story this way in Luke 10, verse 36. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, last week, I suggested that we can start becoming this kind of good neighbor in our three unique neighborhoods, where we live, that's your geographic neighborhood, where we work, that's our vocational neighborhood, and thirdly, where we do life, our relational neighborhood. And this morning, we're actually going to discover a few steps that we can begin to take to put the grill together. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for a brand new day, life and breath, 
and soundness of mind and freedom to gather together. We pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, blessed be your name. We bless your name for forgiveness of sin. We bless your name for the fullness of the Spirit. We bless your name for soundness of health and body. We bless your name for success and blessing, freedom from the curse. We bless your name for security against an uncertain future. And now, Lord, we pray the prayer, uh, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Not just in all of our lives in this room, but right next door in Vineyard Kids where they're learning to become good neighbors as well. Lord, would you change us by putting power on your word to our lives in your name? Amen. So this morning, we're answering the question, what are a few of the steps that uh, we can take to live a guilt-free, low-stress, no-pressure, no-hype, free-from-religious-words, outward-focused kind of life? The very first step, remember. Remember that Jesus empowers us to love people through the Holy Spirit. We all know that left to our own strength and our own desires, Many of us would have neither uh, the inclination or the ability to actually love people like Jesus commanded, especially unlovable people. But the good news is that when we surrender to Jesus, he changes us into new and different people. The Bible describes this transformation this way in the book of Corinthians. Paul says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, what makes us new is that our sin is forgiven. Its power is broken. Our old lives pass away, and God comes to live in us through the Holy Spirit. And as his personal, powerful, indwelling presence through the Spirit fills and controls us, He does what we cannot do, that is, enable us to love people. Now, I I think one of the very uh, profound reasons that Jesus' last words, the last phrase he spoke to the disciples before he ascended to the Father, was, was this in Matthew 28, 20, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He wanted us to remember that he is always with us, through the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that any Christ follower can actually learn to be a good neighbor and do what he commanded us to do. So remember, Jesus empowers you to love people because he lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Second step is that we can pray. Now, we've been encouraging that for the last three weeks. But pray for eyes to see and ears to hear what the Father is doing. We've said that Jesus modeled for us doing what he saw the Father do. And the truth is, we can't be friends with everyone, can we? No, we we know that. We don't have time or energy to invest in all of our neighbors equally, which is why we've been suggesting all along to ask the Holy Spirit to narrow our focus and identify your five friends from your three neighborhoods in whom you believe God is working and likely for whom no one else is praying to receive Jesus' touch. Ask the Holy Spirit to narrow your focus 
identify for you the people with whom God is desiring you to earnestly connect. The truth is, we can be friendly with everyone, but only close friends with a few. Ask God who they are. So remember, secondly, pray. Thirdly, just do something. Isaac Newton's first law of motion is this. An object at rest tends to stay at rest unless acted upon by a force. An object in motion tends to remain in motion unless it's acted upon by a force. It takes force, time, energy, resources, intentionality. It takes force to get started being a good neighbor. But the good news is that once it's started, it's easier to maintain this kind of an outward-focused, loving others, being good neighbor kind of life. And so, just do something. Isn't that profound? Just make some kind of effort. Now, it's helpful to remember, relationships don't happen when we keep a bunch of pressure on ourselves. So, just chillax. Don't try too hard, okay? You know, being good neighbors can can happen more easily when we anticipate that this is actually how God has designed you. He wired you for a relationship. We were built to connect with people and learn to love them. So just be who you are, and relationships will, will grow out of that. You see, it makes relationships and friendships much more normal and natural, something that happens rather than is like being forced on you. And one of the most natural ways to connect with people is through shared activity. And so now I'm going to provide for you four kinds of shared activities to consider engaging with people. Parties, sports, food, and kindness. Parties. I mean, who doesn't like a party, right? Everybody loves parties. So have one and invite them. Now, think in terms of a block party, maybe an apartment complex party, uh, a special event party, birthday, a graduation, a retirement, some other milestone, or maybe a party surrounding a special date. Coming up 4th of July, Labor Day, a pumpkin carving uh, party at Halloween. Just this week, I discovered uh, that the Neighborhood Watch Program in Peoria will actually give you $250 to have a Neighborhood Watch Party. Guess what kind of party we're having? <laughs> You're darn right, baby. I'm on the city of Peoria. $250 tab. We're meeting together with our neighbors this afternoon to talk about it and email the neighborhood. Invite the people to your party that the Holy Spirit is indicating. Secondly, sports, either playing or watching. There are all kinds of ways that the neighbors in your three neighborhoods are already interacting with sports. Right now, some are playing sports in a league. Some have kids who play. Some have been involved, but not lately because they're injured or growing too old. Well, just join up with them or ask them to come along with you or tag along to them when they go to their games. It could be something as simple as offering to walk or run with a neighbor, playing a round of Frisbee golf or pickleball. I hear that's big in Peoria. Yeah. Find it out. Invite them to watch a sporting event with you on television, the Masters Golf Tournament, NASCAR Race, World Series, NCAA Final Four, or the Super Bowl. Find out who has the nicest big screen TV among your neighbors and go there. 
Thirdly, shared activity of food. One of the easiest ways to connect with people in our culture is to eat with them. It's like this. It's just this simple. Hey, you're eating. Hey, we're eating. Hey, let's eat together. Now, I've offered similar suggestions like this in times past, but I'm going to provide for you right now 23 ways that you can share food and fun with friends, okay? And I pray that one of these resonates in your heart and mind. Invite your friends to a dinner at a local restaurant. Boy, that's creative and new. There are enough in this town to suit your choice of palate and budget. You don't, you don't have to sweat it. There's one that will fit you. Secondly, meet at Biagi's for a great dessert. Thirdly, go to Lou's or Coney's for a chili dog basket or to the Spotted Cow, Emo's, or Sweet CC's for ice cream. Four, share a cup of coffee or a latte at 30-30. Uh, maybe go to Leaves and Beans in Morton or The Blend in Washington. Five, invite someone to your home for a barbecue. Now, here's the secret. Don't let dinner scare you. Seriously, uh, people aren't judging you on the quality of your meal to see if it stacks up with Bobby Flay. Hamburgers on the grill with chips and a few veggies are fine. That's it. Uh, sixthly, go to Wildlife Prairie Park for a picnic and pick up KFC on the way. Seven, attend one of the local annual festivals and eat there. Maybe the Peoria Heights Music Fest on the 2nd and 3rd of August at the Water Tower. The Budweiser Illinois Blues Festival at the, at the riverfront on August 30 and 31. Or the Peoria Art Guild Fine Art Fair at the riverfront on the 28th and 29th of September. Eight, go to a Chiefs baseball game and eat hot dogs at the new Dozer Park. Love the name. Nine, uh, seriously, I do. Because uh, <laughs> my wife works at Caterpillar. <laughs> um, Go camping at Jubilee Park and invite friends for an evening hot dog roast around the campfire. Number 10, celebrate your child's birthday and invite their friends and their parents' friends for ice cream and cake. Number 11, go to IHOP on your birthday and you get a free meal. Take some friends with you. Number 12, invite some friends over to watch the Oscars or the Grammys or the CMAs or whatever award show is on and serve popcorn. Third, uh, let's see, 13, this is the one my wife Tina and I try to practice regularly. We invite our neighbors over to our back porch. It could be your deck or your front porch. You put out a few candles for ambiance. And here's the secret, so you don't have to fix anything. You just go to Sam's and buy one of their frozen cheesecakes or their little mini cheesecakes that come in little individually wrapped packages. Um, or you just, if you really want to, like, you know, shoot the shoot the whole load. You go you go to like uh, Jubilee Cafe and you buy one of their really great pies. Uh, it's strawberry season, so one of the things we like to do is strawberry shortcake because it's really easy to cut up strawberries and follow the Bisquick recipe. And it's really impressive, although it doesn't take much work. And then you just have them over after having brewed some coffee or sun tea, and you're ready to go. 14, buy an outdoor fireplace and have friends over in the evening with s'mores. 15, go to a movie at the rave and then hit a coffee shop uh, uh, for a nightcap. 16, go to Keller's or Donnelly's and pop a frosty one with a friend. 17, host the booster club, the PTSA, or the Neighborhood Homeowners Association meeting at your home with dessert. 18, do a neighborhood or progressive uh, dinner at Christmas and then end it at your house for dessert and coffee. 19, organize a neighborhood-wide garage sale, and then do a picnic potluck uh, on your street or your cul-de-sac. 20, start a supper club 
with three friends or three couples rotating homes in, in, in every other month when you do it. 21, go to a Broadway show or a concert at the Civic Center and do a dinner beforehand. 22, go hiking or fishing or bike riding on the Rock Island Trail, attend a Cubs or Cardinal game or a NASCAR race and invite some friends to go along. And 23, join a club that reflects your hobbies, bowling, scrapbooking, quilting, bike running, riding, running, whatever, and uh, invite people from the club to share dinner with you. There, can you find something to do? Just do something. What's that? Socks. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, you can go to twins for that matter, you know. (laughs) Thank you, uh, Yogi. My point is this. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit for his direction and his empowering as he turns our self-focused lives outward. And we begin to live an outward-focused, loving others' life as we become good neighbors and we engage in shared activity over food with friends. Fourth shared activity is kindness. There are countless ways that we can all show God's love long before we would ever begin to mention the name of Jesus. Just like the Good Samaritan did in the story, and whom Jesus commended we grow to be like, sharing God's love. Offering humble acts of kindness and service as a good neighbor, especially as we're sensitive to the seasons of need and transition in our neighbor's lives. Uh, a time of a, uh, of a loss of a job, or maybe they're moving, or a death, or a divorce, or the birth of a child, or a grandchild. And each one of you here today has a particular set of skills, and abilities, and desires that that enable you to serve your neighbors, the neighbors in your three neighborhoods, in special ways. Maybe it's craftsmanship, or sewing, or baking, or debugging computers, or fixing things, or landscaping, or you're particularly good in child care. Do the small things, and sharing what you love can actually overlap with the needs of your neighbors. And so the point is here, do them together. In history, I've helped a neighbor build a patio. I've drawn landscaping plans. I've trimmed trees. I've offered fertilizing advice. It's things that I love to do, and I can help them. Maybe for you, it might look like organizing a neighborhood carpool or offering to pick up a neighbor's children from school if they're uh, not feeling well. You rake leaves. You mow their grass or shovel the snow from their driveway or watch their house, get their mail while your neighbors are on vacation. You might go to the hospital to pray for a a sick family member. You take a meal to someone when they're otherwise um, incapacitated or maybe when they have a baby and you celebrate with them. You might help someone install a mailbox or offer to help a, a neighbor put on a new roof or repair their car. The concept is really simple. You're probably already doing a lot of those kinds of things with people in your life anyway. So now you just offer to include your new neighbors as well. So remember, pray, do something, and then fourthly, lastly, 
don't do some things. Let me unpack that. Don't devalue small steps. You see, at first, when we take steps to becoming good neighbors, it won't feel as if we're really doing anything monumental or spiritual. But remember that most change in life happens slowly. Most of the changes in your lives don't come through one huge moment. You know this. Our bodies change slowly. Our families change slowly. We develop new habits slowly. And friendships change slowly. Now, sure, you know, huge breakthroughs and setbacks can come at any moment, but the majority of lasting changes in all of our lives come slowly over time through consistent, regular investment. And then, somehow, those small things have a, have a powerful way of adding up together and producing a disproportionately greater result than we ever thought possible. So don't devalue the small steps that you begin to take. Secondly, don't discount conversations. Now, in the past, Christians have been so fixated on winning people to Jesus that we've let evangelism get in the way of relationship and friendship. We've focused on getting conversions. And I want to encourage you to actually engage in conversations. Now, conversations follow a very typical pattern uh, towards uh, deeper disclosure. You've discovered this in your life. We start with the things that we can see. Weather, why a neighbor doesn't mow his grass, increased traffic on the block, you know, why the legislature cannot get its act together and pass pension reform or whatever else. And then we move to the more basic personal information. We discover answers to questions like, well, how long have you lived here? What do you do for a living? Where'd you grow up? How'd you get to Peoria? Where'd you guys meet? Where'd you go on your first date? And then as we begin to get to know one another, conversations can grow deeper. We might begin to share our dreams and our desires. Like, well, what do you love the most about what you do? Or if you could do anything, what would you do? Or if you could live anywhere, where would you live? And then as trust grows, our conversations move deeper to our regrets, our losses, our pain, our struggle. And it's important to remember that as your conversations and and relationships develop, don't do all the talking. Learn to listen. The Apostle James gave us these specific instructions in his letter. James 1, verse 19. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Really practical advice. God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we'd get the message, listen twice as much as you talk. I'm going to help you grow in self-awareness right here. One of the most powerful ways to express love and genuine concern is to just listen to people. Seriously. You see, if the people in your three neighborhoods sense that you want to just quickly fix their problems or dispense your great advice or stuff your view of the Bible and life down their throat, then they will, as they should, get angry and defensive, and that relationship probably won't grow. 
On the other hand, if we listen with non-judgmental acceptance, we show respect for who they are, what they think, what they feel, what they believe. And over time, a bridge of trust is developed, and it will allow them to share their deep heart about their loss and their pain and their struggles. And they'll reveal their, their need and spiritual openness, and it will also prepare them for us to share our lives as well. Now, several things about listening. Give full attention to the people that you're listening to. Be fully there. Don't just be thinking of what you're going to say when they shut up. That's called a monologue between two deaf people. We want dialogue where you're actually genuinely listening. And then I'm going to suggest the practice that others call active listening. Active listening is like a radar. It's hard work, but you actually reflect to the sharer what it is they're sharing. You reflect to them the content and feeling of what they're sharing, and you're communicating to them that you've actually heard and understood what they've said. And there's perhaps nothing more powerful in a relationship to, to let others know that they're heard and understood. So you might reflect something like this. Let me see if I understand you correctly. And then you frame what it is that you hear. So the major concern that you have right now is this. Or what I hear you saying is this. And this is the one that I find that works the best. It's really simple and quite powerful. So you are feeling blank because of blank. And you accurately reflect what it is you heard them share. You are feeling blank because of blank. Or it appears that. And then you reflect. Now, this level of active, empathic listening shows people that you actually heard and understood them. And that's a great gift in becoming a good neighbor. Genuine, caring Listeners are in short supply in our culture today. We're not trained to do it. We're in, and we're just not very good at it, honestly. It takes intentionality. It takes force. Time, energy, resources. It takes a force to do that. Now, here's the encouraging thing. When you practice it, you're going to get good. And you will be amazed at, 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 at how this kind of active empathic listening can actually catalyze relationships. People will think you are their best friend because they don't have anybody else that actually does this to them. People will open up and disclose all kinds of things to you. You'll learn about their fears and their struggles, their concern, their joys, their excitements. Just last Monday night, Tina and I were checking out at Avani's. You know, it's our favorite place. We had met for a, a couple there and had dinner together, and as we're paying the bill, I asked Jonelle, who was, you know, running the cash register, how she was doing, and she said, okay. I said, hmm, that doesn't sound so good. What's happening? And Jonelle, at that moment, proceeded to share with me how frustrating it was to work the front of house instead of waiting tables because she pays a huge price to not get tips. I'd never met Janelle before, but she shared in that moment of empathic listening her deep frustration right there at the counter at Avani's. And I'm not saying I'm a hero. I'm just saying I bothered, rather than to pass that okay over, I was reflecting to her what I really heard. People will feel valued 
and honored and respected when you listen to them in a conversation. They will open up their deep heart and, uh, it, it, you'll just be amazed. It's like a magnet that draws out of their soul stuff that's been buried deep and no one else knows. Now, at this stage in relationships, building friendships, I want to I also encourage you with this. You can ask sensitively timed questions. So sometimes asking questions can express sensitivity and your genuine concern. And this is especially the case when you already have a a developing and ongoing relationship already. A few well-chosen questions can be a non-threatening way to invite spiritual discussion, can help you connect with people at the appropriate spot on their spiritual journey, and it can also allow the Holy Spirit uh, to kind of help us gauge where he's already working in their lives. So you might ask, for example, So where are you at on your spiritual journey? Or if you could ask God for any one thing in your life, what would it be right now? Or can you help me understand your disappointment with God? Or if someone were to ask you, what is a real Christian, what would you say? Or have you ever felt like God was close to you? Or what do you think is wrong with the church today? Get prepared for that one. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? You see, questions like this that require more than a yes or no answer put the other person in the driver's seat of the relationship, and it allows them to reveal as much or as little as they're prepared to reveal in a relationship. So active listening and asking sensitively timed questions can be like fertilizer to grow the garden of friendship. Now, every one of your neighbors in your three neighborhoods is on a journey. They have a story to tell. And quite honestly, even though they might not admit it, they want to know that their story means something, that they connect to something much larger than themselves. And so I just want to encourage you, engage in people's stories. Listen to their story. Take a genuine interest in their story. And remember that you're a story in progress, too. You're not finished yet. God's not through with us. And so when it's appropriate, without dominating the conversation, share your story. And because you love Jesus, it's going to come up naturally in your story. You're not going to have to bolt it on to an otherwise awkward story. If you love Jesus... If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the first part of the great commandment, it's just going to come up naturally. Uh, but, but in the context of relationships, sharing our place in God's story, our journey, it's not going to be forced or awkward. It's just going to be authentic. You're just going to talk honestly about your love for God and how God's made a difference in your life. It, it's, it's not a, a content-filled apologetic for Christianity that you're looking to unload pull the dump truck lever and, you know, out, out piles the load on them. You just naturally, authentically, honestly talk about how Jesus has made a difference in your life and how you've seen uh, things differently now that you're in his kingdom. So don't devalue small steps. Don't discount conversations. Thirdly, don't forget to connect with the larger church community. 
There may be times when it's appropriate to invite your friends into an event or life in our church community. That's just the natural reflex of a healthy relationship. It means like you might invite them to one of your small group fun night parties or a 4th of July picnic or our Christmas Eve service or the Home Builders Week when we volunteer with Southside Mission or when we serve at the Sweet Tent uh, this fall at, at the Morton Pumpkin Festival or invite them to come to our reverse garage sale where we give good stuff away for free with no strings attached on the 22nd of June. There are going to be lots of regular opportunities in our church family when we serve our communities uh, it, it, with, with simple demonstrations of God's love with no strings attached that may be just the occasion that your friends are looking for. Because sometimes it's in connecting with the vibrant, loving, caring, worshiping, healing, doing life together church community known as the Vineyard that other people may actually experience the love of Jesus in a way that nothing else quite touches. There's power in the community. So don't forget to connect with the church community. And lastly, I want to encourage you, don't worry, be happy. Don't be preoccupied with all the theological answers to the deep questions that they're going to probably not ask anyway. You know, having to like, well, draw boundaries about all these inappropriate relationships or getting in too deep and not having the resources to meet. And what if they're weird or, you know, whatever. Just worry is a rocking chair that takes you nowhere. So don't worry. Don't worry about all the stuff that may go wrong or could go wrong or could go bad or that they might not like you or you'll be rejected or what. Just, just forget about all that stuff for right now. Just do something. And then we'll let the Holy Spirit like work through the chips. It is true. I don't deny that relationships are messy and costly and time consuming. And, and you know, our schedules are like already chock full and we, we're, we're not terribly flexible and we just don't have the effort or the energy or like you don't like people. And I realize all that stuff. But I didn't, I didn't give these instructions. Jesus did. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and learn to love your neighbor like yourself. Be a good neighbor. Be that kind of neighbor. The kind of neighbor that's willing to be inconvenienced. The kind of neighbor that's willing to take a risk and invest. Be that kind of neighbor in your neighborhood and you're in your three neighborhoods. Well, are you ready to do something? and actually take a few steps towards becoming good neighbors, I'm hoping that every one of you will grow to be healthier people. You will be filled with more joy and more peace and a deeper satisfaction as we live the way that God actually designed us to live. Loving Him, loving others. I'd like to finish by once again recommending the really great book, The Art of Neighboring, by Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. Get it on Amazon for about 11 bucks. And I'd like to finish by reading an excerpt. The beauty of the art of neighboring is that it's simple and genuine. You don't need to memorize any pitches. You don't need to chart out a master plan for evangelizing your neighborhoods. You don't need to worry about having a canned speech in your back pocket. In short, You need not make your neighbors your pet project. Just make them your friends. 
You simply need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when those things happen, everything else falls in place. Lord, would you help us to be the kind of people that you encouraged us to be in the parable of the Good Samaritan, people who actually are willing to become good neighbors to those right around us. Would you give us the eyes to see and ears to hear who those neighbors are? And then actually, Lord, empower our whole church family with your Holy Spirit to take the steps you want us to take this summer. And Lord, we're looking forward to the the sense of joy and peace and satisfaction that will come as we step into being the kind of people you want us to be. Now receive these gifts, Lord, for what they are, our gifts of love and the offering, our gifts of song and intention of our heart. May they be tokens that say to you, we love you in your name. Amen.